If you have a Bible with you this morning, uh, go to the book of Jeremiah for me, please. We're going to have a slide come up on a screen. It'll say something like the missing link. I'll explain what that is to you. But we're starting a new conversation today about something that I think is a bit of an epidemic in our lives. And um, I think it would be fair to say that for me, as a, on a personal level, God has been challenging me again about this. But uh, I think it's also quite challenging for us as a community. So Jeremiah 29. And verse 11 is, for all reasons, the most profound declaration of the heart of God for his people. In this particular sentence, we see encapsulated the love of a father to pour out and favor and great things on the lives of his children. In Jeremiah 29 verse 11, it says... For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. How many of us know when that the Lord declares a thing? It's so much more than just telling us this is possible. It's God willing us to believe and to partner with Him until it's completed. Amen? So when the Lord declares something, it's the same voice that declared, let there be light. It has an authority and a breadth and a magnitude. It's so phenomenal. When we read it sometimes, I think we misrepresent this particular scripture um, because we have taken this grand and glorious declaration and made it a wish list. Maybe, perhaps, somehow, in spite of me, all of these words are getting in the way of us embracing this truth and receiving this blessing. But this is the Lord declaring the God of the universe speaking life over you, the God who created you, promising you abundance and fullness. And he says, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper. Wait for a moment, wait for a moment. Are you telling me that God would like me to prosper? You better bet your life I am. God wants you to prosper. Now, please, before we get into name it, claim it, blab it, grab it kingdom, okay? That's not what this is telling us. You can have everything the world has to offer you and be absolutely impoverished inside. What does it profit a man if he gains everything but loses his soul? God's prosperity is not just temporal, it's eternal, for when he declares something, it has an eternal consequence over our lives. Now, let me be honest with you. For someone who grew up with very little, I'm dependent and reliant upon the fact that God might want to bless me physically, tangibly. And I have seen over and over and over again, God just dis disclose his heart and his love and his affection for me. Um, a few years ago, my world as I knew it came to an end, and I had no financial ability to sustain a mortgage and a family, and God, in his great wisdom, took me through a, a two-year period where, without really earning a, a, an income at all, I ended up with savings in the bank. Never had savings in the bank. I've always been the kind of person that lived right on the edge of everything. I suppose I'm just greedy. You can see it, you can be it, I say. 
I have appetites for all kinds of life experiences. But God in his great wisdom. So yes, there is a financial aspect to this. But it's so much more than just financial blessing. I know the plans I have for you, said the Lord. Plans to prosper you. Just let that sink into. Because all around your life, and particularly inside your heart, you may have questions about that. How? What? What would that look like? Is that really true, God? Is that your nature? Is that your heart for me? Plans to prosper and to bless you, not to harm you. If there was ever a moment when we look at Scripture and understood the nature of God, it's this one, because sometimes I've met Christians who think that God's out to get them. I've met Christians who think that the only possible way they can be spiritual is to have nothing. I've met Christians who really think that God is punishing them for all kinds of misdemeanors in their lives. Let me just be clear with you, please. Jesus took the punishment for your sin. That's why you can be blessed. Oh, wake up, please. That's why you can be blessed. Jesus took the punishment for your sin. On the cross, he said, it is finished. Stop digging it up. Stop resurrecting your sin. You are no longer a sinner. You are a saint saved by grace. You once were a sinner, but now you are a saint saved by grace. Come on, let's align our minds and our hearts with the truth of God's word. Can we have it back up again? I don't know why you keep taking it down. You on a fag break back there? <laughs> Plans to prosper and to bless you, to give you a hope. So whatever God is saying to us here, it has something to do with his preferred future for our lives. Do you know that God has a preferred future for your life? Now, can I ask you a quick question? Because I like to be polite. I wake up every day thinking today could be the day. As you mull around your life and get on with what you're doing, are you expectant? Is your heart aligned with this truth? Are you ready for blessing? Are you available to be blessed? Is there anybody awake here today? Well, when we think of the Word of God, and particularly this particular aspect of the way God is communicating to us, we must never, ever allow it to be some kind of heavenly soundbite. We must grab it with all of our might and all of our energy and all of our effort and say, God, this is who you are, and you're about to make me who I'm supposed to be. Whatever that looks like, God, I don't know when, I don't know how, I know that you're good. And so when I wake up tomorrow morning, I'm going to look for your goodness. I'm going to expect your blessing. If I get on an airplane, I'm going to expect to be upgraded. Anybody off on holiday soon? If I go to the airport, I'm not going to anticipate queues. I'm going to anticipate favor. Because you're going to bless me, God. You long to bless me. You know when I go to the, the person that's checking in the bags that look like they've lost a fiver and found a pound? You know those people, they're always quite stern. I'm going to expect them to give me the best seat on the airplane. You see, it's one thing to say God wants to bless you. It's a whole other thing to live with that expectation. But his word must become flesh. 
it must be realized and materialized in our lives if it is to bless him. God's not just sending out love letters to make us feel good for a moment. He's inviting us to a partnership with him where he can build in our lives the most incredible infrastructure where heaven can manifest its glory. God is for you. Do you know what that means? When the world is against you, they do not stand a chance. There's not a hope in hell. In fact, there isn't a hope in hell. They don't stand a chance. You know, whenever people come against you, they don't stand a chance. Now, please, I'm not trying to make you feel all excited for a moment, but I do want to remind you, it's so important to me, that we don't just hear the Word of God, that we embrace the Word of God, that we allow the Word of God to become flesh, materializing itself in our lives, our day-to-day lives. Otherwise, all we've got is a hope that's deferred, and a hope deferred makes the heart grow really sick. And when that word says sick, it means poisonous. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Why don't you say this out loud? Shall we do that together? It's always me that's reading the bits and pieces, but why don't you say it out loud? I know the plans he has for me, my Lord. Say it. Plans to, and not to harm me, but to give me a hope. So God has a preferred future. He has a plan from the foundations of the earth. His heart and intentionality in every moment, in every day, in every part of your life is to make you prosperous, which is so much more than money. Why are we not living in it? What happened? I think I might have the answer. It's called the missing link. So God has spoken, and I have some level of belief and trust in his word to say, It is possible, but between what God said and how I live, my imagination, the womb of my spiritual experience has somehow not partnered with that truth. Do you know why I know that's true? Because if I expected to be blessed, I would enter into every conversation, every situation with my mind aligned to the truth I say I believe and my expectancy right at the surface waiting for that blessing to come to me. So somewhere between what God declares and wants and what we all hope and believe, there is this. It's called my mind. And my mind has done a number on me. (laughs) My mind has taken things from me like peace. You know, if you've got anxiety... It's because your mind has had an entertained thoughts that has taken you to a place of anxiety. Listen to this scripture. My God will keep those in perfect peace. Peace is the governance of heaven whose mind is fixed on him. When my mind is fixed on him, it becomes unpenetrable to the attacks of the enemy to take me down the route of anxiety. My problem is my mind is not fixed. 
And the word fixed, I think the authorized version says stayed. In other words, I've camped here. (laughs) I've settled here. This is where I live. This is who I am. This is what I do. Okay? My God will keep me in perfect peace when I've camped here. I've settled here. And my mind is flooded with and fixed upon the reality of the God who wants to bless and to prosper me. Amen? I was chatting with a young man earlier today. He's a great young man. And he struggles a little bit, I think. He doesn't mind me telling you this story. With anxiety and a bit of depression. And I've just journeyed with him for a little while now. Uh, as you know, I'm fairly new. I can't keep saying that. I'm quite old, really. But I'm fairly new here. And um, he was talking about... Um, where he lives, currently he's living in a flat, he doesn't like, he shares a bathroom, he doesn't like that. And um, I think there are other people in the same accommodation who leave the bathroom in a mess and it would appear to me by the way he dresses that that's not okay. I think he's quite particular. And so I was listening to him and he was chatting away and he says he's going to see a property tomorrow. And now we've been praying that God would open up a property for him. Amen? Why? Because he wants to prosper. A hope, a future, yeah? And um, so I said, where is it? He says, oh, it's quite near the church. And he began to tell me the figures and so on and so forth. And then suddenly I just felt I needed to say this to him. Is it really where you want to live? And he said, well, not really. I said, well, why are you going? I said, do you have to share the bathroom? with?" "Yeah, Yeah. And he said this phrase, he said, but it's cheap. I said, is the house cheap or are you cheap? And he looked at me and I said, you have a poverty mindset. Your mind has done a number on you. Okay, you want God to bless you, but if it doesn't come in under a certain budget, (laughs) God can't bless you. I said, where did that come from? Who told you that God was like that? And why have you permitted yourself to live with a poverty mindset? And he went, I don't know. It's just the way I've always thought about things. I said, well, have a new thought. If that kind of thinking has taken you to this place, trade up your thinking, which can lead you to a new place. I said, you know, tomorrow when you go, if it isn't what you like, thank the people very much for showing and say, God has something better for me. And, and so make sure that you're clear in your mind that that's God's intention. He wants to bless you, to prosper you, to give you hope in a future. You're restricting by the way you're thinking that blessing. Now, we're all nodding and saying, yes. But you know what, my friends? You do exactly the same thing. It's the missing link between what God wants to do and what could be true about you is your mind and how you perceive things, how you think, what you fill your mind with actually directs your life. In the book of Proverbs, verse 23 and verse 7, it says this. I wonder if we can get these up if possible. So as a man thinks in his heart, 
He is. So let me give you some insights. If you see yourself as poor, it really doesn't matter how many zeros there are attached to your salary. Your wallet will always experience more month than it does money. If you feel a victim or oppressed, there will always be someone or some circumstance keeping you from reaching your goals. <laughs> you may even know that God wants to prosper and to bless you. You perhaps are praying for that to come to pass. But until you see yourself the way God sees you, nothing is going to materialize. Over the years, I've met lots and lots of people in ministry, and um, some of them stand out from the crowd. I had a friend who I led to the Lord in, in um, Glasgow, became a multimillionaire. He flew Jane and I. It doesn't happen every day to me, so don't get envious or anything. It was a one-off out to Florida. I mean, I remember him when he was off his face on heroin, and he's living in his palatial mansion. Two doors down is Benny Hinn. He arrives at the airport in his Ferrari to pick us up. Have you ever been in a Ferrari? I couldn't get down to get into the, the seat at the front, to be honest. And I knew that if I got down, I'd never get back up. But thank the Lord, he hired a more upright vehicle for us, and we were able to get in and out of it. His wife drove a Maserati. I mean, these are people from the very, very broken parts of the city of Glasgow. How? How did God do that? He said to me, first conversation, Pastor Simon, because he called me by my first name, which is pastor, by the way. Did you know that? <laughs> Pastor Simon. He said, um, I want to bless you. I so want to bless you. That's why we brought you here. And I said, well, that's very nice. I mean, it's such a joy to, to be here, to see what God's doing in your life. And uh, he said, you know, I've got something for you. And he went off to his cupboard and he brought out... Um, I think it was a Rolex watch. And he said, thank you. And I said, thank you. Because you would, wouldn't you? I thought it was fake. Don't tell me you didn't buy one when you were in Turkey. I know you did. Okay. I've got about five of them. I don't know where the hands are on any of them. They've all disappeared over time, but... He said, here's some tickets. You can go to all of the, the parks. Um, I think he thought he was blessing me. It felt more like a curse to me, to be honest with you. Standing in queues in the heat with a, a daughter that wants to ride everything. And um, the journey began. And um, I'm sitting in his car one day. And he said, let's go and look at this house. And so he takes me. He lives in this gated community. He takes me to see this house. I mean, it's like a mini stately home. And he said, we'll have a look around. We had a look around. Um, I love houses, so it was a great thing to... to and I'm, I'm saying, why are, we doing, why are we looking? He said, well, I would love for you to come out here and to start up your own ministry. I said, you know, it's like Colds to Newcastle. His name was Scott. How many churches are there in America? And he said, no, no, no. I just think it would be really good if you came out here. So he was about to buy us. I think it was three million, the house. Don't be envious or jealous. <laughs> so as a man thinks, he is. Okay, and so I said, well, we need to talk, Scott, because 
I feel a little bit uncomfortable. He said, I knew I'd get you there. I knew I'd get you there. I said, what would you mean? He said, I have asked God to show me how to bless you. And God said to me, you don't have the capacity to be blessed. Now, I thought I was doing all right. Rolex, watch, tickets, travel. House was a bit extreme. Do you know the problem wasn't that I didn't want God to do those things? The problem was that I couldn't perceive how that could possibly be all right. My mind was blocking my blessing. And yours is the same. And yet we sing our songs and we tell our stories. And all the time we're saying, God, you know, you have plans to prosper and to bless me. But between those plans and that promise is your perception. How you see, how you perceive, what you fill your mind with turns up in your life. Not what you sing, what you fill your mind with. Mary was 32 years of age, married once now divorced with three young children, and she hated men. Mary's first marriage was a mixture, a cocktail, of alcohol and drugs and a severe beating just about every other night of the week. Mary hated marriage, and she hated men. Her experience taught her and told her that men cannot be trusted. They're abusers, they're takers. And no matter how many times past her divorce, we tried to connect her with good young men in the church. She could never enter into any relationship. Her marriage was over. The abuse had stopped. But the way Mary saw the world prevented Mary from ever enjoying love. She was a prisoner to her perceptions. And we could talk to her and speak with her and pray with her. But she could not get past how she perceived men. And guess what? That meant that her life was very lonely. And she had no support with the children. Not because God didn't want to prosper and to bless her. But her capacity, her perception stole from her the plans and the purposes of God. How can that be, you say? Shouldn't we fast? Shouldn't we pray? Yes, we should do all of those things, but your mind is either taking you into destiny or it's taking your destiny from you. Your mind is either partnering with God's blessing and promise or it's stealing from you the very blessing and promise that God wants to bring. Your imagination is the dominant controlling factor of your life. Every night in our house, I have two women that I live with. I thank God for them. But I can't check the door and the locks anymore. There's only so many times you can put the key in the Yale thing and turn it. Bring reassurance to the people around you. Put the bolts over. Goodness, it's like Fort Knox on the inside of our house. I don't know who's getting in, but if there was a fire, we could never get out. (laughs) 
Why? Why? Because somehow our mindset is formed that's based on fear and anxiety and uncertainty, a lack of safety perhaps, and it does not matter how many times a communication happens that brings reassurance because that mind is now fixed in a particular way, it's going to need a miracle, a miracle for God to bring restoration and healing. Now, we've only been robbed once, but we've been robbed millions of times by the way we think. We had burglars once, but ever since, <laughs> peace does not rule and reign when it comes to nighttime. Goodness knows we've got every light outside. I think an aeroplane's gonna land on the drive one day. There's so much searchlights and I don't know who they're looking for, but I hope they find them really quickly because it keeps waking me up in the night. If a cat whispers or breaks wind, the light comes on. So as a man or a woman thinks, they are. So we come to church and we sing our songs and we tell ourselves the good news story of Jesus, that he wants to bless and to prosper us. And rightly so, it is the best news that anyone could ever have. But between God's promise and you possessing it, you have a purpose in issue. I have a friend, just the one. They've diminished over the years. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> he gets up every morning and he practices expectation. He says this prayer, God, because I know enough about you to know that you're good, I know today you're going to be good in all my circumstances. Could I just be there to see your goodness? It's hardly surprising, therefore, that every single day of his life, he sees miracles. It's hardly surprising that in every conversation he has with somebody who doesn't know Jesus, there's a moment where the Spirit speaks. Why? Because his mind is partnering with his promise. And his perception is waiting for the exceptional blessing of God to come to him. Not long to go now till pastor finishes. I'm throwing a cat amongst the pigeons today. I'm doing it purposefully. Do you know what's standing between us and our city coming to faith? We don't and haven't partnered in our minds with all that God wanted to do. There's an exceptional weighty presence of the Lord upon this conversation. Not because it's me, but this is the key. A good news story. When I was in KT, I met a young man. I think his name was Lance. He was handsome. You know how rare that is in church, ladies, don't you? And available. And um, came to me and he said, you know, there's a young lady in the church, Pastor Simon, I really like her. 
think he was from an Asian background. Um, his father was some high-flying dentist. They asked me to marry them, which is lovely. It's always a good thing to marry people, isn't it? I like matches, hatches, and dispatches. They're all part of the rich tapestry of life. And um, I went along to the venue. <laughs> Let me tell you what the venue was. Kew Gardens. I've never seen anything like it in my life. They, they had their wedding reception. And you know that, the glass thing? Has anybody ever been to Kew Gardens? Well, Google it. Google it while I'm talking. <laughs> Google it while I'm talking. See if you can find it. It's just breathtaking. Surrounded by palatial grounds. And I've never seen flowers like it. I've never seen dresses like it. The young men that were all the groomsmen danced. In amongst the tables in formation. Sang. I mean, what a wonderful expression of love and devotion. And um, after the wedding was over and they came back from their honeymoon... Um, he was renting an accommodation. He said to me, you know, I'm really interested in purchasing a flat. Um, would you come with me? Would I come with you? Is the Pope a Catholic? <laughs> of course I'll come with you. And I, I, imagined, I imagined that we would be going to, you know, young couple and everything. I thought it was her family that paid for everything. I went to view the flat. I think it was on Kensington High Street. There was a very posh man as a concierge downstairs shaking hands with people. It's not like that in Selly Oak, is it? <laughs> or Wheelie Castle, is it? It's not like that here, is it? And so I thought, oh, this is going to be nice. It went upstairs. 3.4 million pounds. His first, his first, his first. <laughs> his first home with his new wife. <laughs> Absolutely. There's a man down there looking for a flat. I can tell. I can tell. I don't think you'll find one like that around here, but keep going. So I thought, Let, let's talk. Let's talk. And um, he said to me, I, I'm not going to have a mortgage have a mortgage. I thought, what is going on here? So as part of the ongoing conversations around the new marriage situation, we agreed a number of times that we'd meet and we'd talk about marriage and love and life and what it means to be given to someone in that way. And uh, I'm sitting in a coffee shop somewhere in Kensington with them. And um, I said, you know, I have to ask a question. Please forgive me. It's very crass and and, and, you know, not at all spiritual, but where the heck did the money come from? <laughs> where the heck did the money come from? He said, oh, I was waiting for you to ask me that. He said, when I was six, I believe God told me that I would be a multimillionaire. And so I worked really hard in my education. You see, that's partnership with an invitation. I applied myself in every situation I was in, and I found the favor of God rested upon my life to make money. I said, give me your hand, put it on my head, and prophesy <laughs> as quickly as you can. I don't mind putting down the coffee to receive the blessing. And um, he imagined, as a boy, 
what his life would be. He imagined it. He dreamt dreams. And that dream so permeated his life that he got the best education he could. He worked the hardest of any of the students in his school. I think he was a graduate of Oxford. He was phenomenally bright and he was headhunted all over London by all kinds of international companies that valued his expertise and his capacity. You think he woke up one Tuesday at 24 and all that happened? You see, I think sometimes we think of God in terms of luck. <laughs> I just have to be in the right place at the right time with the right people. I mean, how much networking have you done and how little has it produced? Let's keep it real. This is not a game of chance. It's not about an elite group of people who, it's about God's people believing what God says to be true, so much true that they start to align their minds and their hearts and their lives with that truth until that truth begins to manifest and become a reality. It doesn't just happen. There's no magic wand. This is not Peter Pan theology. It'll all pan out in the end. Okay? You've got to work with what God's given you to work with. And you know, I find it breathtaking that when you allow your imagination and your thought life to come into partnership with your promise and your spiritual life, you will start to see incremental transformations take place in your own ordinary life. Why? Because the plans the Lord has for you are to prosper and to bless you. The only thing holding that up is this. Philippians 4 verse 8. And we're going to finish with this and the girls are coming back to dance. Which will be so nice after all of this, won't it? Won't it? Philippians 4 verse 8. Perhaps you can get it up on the screen. If you could just put that cigar out, John, that would be great. Thank you. It's a bit of a fire hazard in the booth. What does it say? Let's do from four. We'll do from four. Any advance on four? Okay. We started with this today. This, this is a calibration of your heart to expectation. Rejoice in the Lord always. In other words, Paul is saying, set your heart to blessing. Be a blessing to God, and he'll be a blessing to you. Rejoice in the Lord on Sundays, on Tuesdays, at burn on Thursday night. No. Rejoice in the Lord. What about this? In all your ways. Yep. And again, I say rejoice. The fruit of that kind of living is your gentleness will be evident to all. In other words, what's happening in you will turn up outside of you. And here's why. For the Lord is near. If you want to attract favor and blessing and prosperity, sing, O oh barren woman, sing. You may not feel 
You may not experience right now blessing, but as you rejoice in the Lord, you set in your heart, you're calibrating your heart to the eternal reality of his nature and his ability. Do not be anxious about anything. Gosh, how are we doing in that? But in every situation, by prayer and petition, notice that this prayer and petition is prayer and petition of a particular nature, prayer and petition with source on it. If you're going to pray after and in your rejoicing, don't pray like a weeping widow. Pray like an expectant bride on the eve of her wedding day who has her whole life ahead of her as an adventure. Don't come with your wizened, wintry spirit. Let joy and hope and expectation fill the atmosphere as you pray and intercede before God. With prayer and thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, that's His countenance, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds Why? Because you will be in Christ Jesus, fully immersed in his reality. And now, this is where I'm going to leave you. This is what I want for you. This is what you should want for me. Finally, brothers and sisters, even the girls get in on this. Whatever is true, (laughs) whatever is noble, What's right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, fill your mind. Fill it with that reality. Fill it with the truth of who God is. Fill it with the beautiful expectation that God is who he says he is and he will do what he promises he will do. You and I, if we were to allow our minds to be seen by anybody in this room, 99.9% of everything you think is mincemeat and cheap mincemeat at that. God is not holding back from you. You are holding him up by the way you see things. Thanks for coming. May the Lord bless you. Get ready for it. Move towards it. Perceive it. Imagine it. Dream it. May the Lord keep you. That's just not survival. That's thriving. May the Lord cause His face to shine upon you. May you live under the auspices of His favor. Do you know you're his favorite, don't you? May the Lord be gracious to you. And may goodness and mercy this week, tomorrow, when you leave here right now, may it hunt you down. May it outrun you, rugby tackle you, yeah, and take you into the fullness of God. Father, I pray your blessing on your wonderful people, Lord. It's such a joy to be with them today. In Jesus' precious name, amen. God bless you, church. Have a great week.